I was flying down the highway, weaving in and out of traffic. I was racing time. An old man pulled out in front of me, and I went crazy as can be. I lost my mind. I blew my horn till I got close enough to see And what was on his car tax will convicted me The O.W. 369 I should salute you from this heart of mine Thank you for placing your life on the line for me I pray that the rest of your journey is a peaceful one And may you take your own sweet time Mr. P.O.W. 369 Plaza Direct King's Court starts now.
I've won and lost against the best. This old road's been a hell of a test. I'm still driving. I ain't slowing down. There's rules I love to break and bend. Mistakes I've made again and again. But I tell you this, my friends, I'm still around. I hit it hard, man. So far, man. No laying up, no holding back. And a good Tuesday morning, St. Louis. At all parts, north, east, south, and west, we welcome you in. Kevin Slayton with you on the Window World King's Court on KevinSlaytonShow.com. KevinSlaytonShow.com. Now, if you've come to find some whitewashed version of the truth or some panty-waist liberal viewpoint, you've come to the wrong place. But if you've come to find the unvarnished truth backed by facts and evidence, then you are in the right place. And our phone lines are always open for you to join in. 536, excuse me, 636-538-0746. 636-538-0746. Right here on KevinSlaytonShow.com where you can hear the podcast later on. You can also hear it on Spotify, Amazon, Apple, Google, Anchor, any place that you listen to podcasts, you can find ours. And we have a lot of ground to cover today. We're not going to get into the Super Bowl anymore. The whining continues by uh, those people who know nothing about football and those people who would prefer to whine and bitch than do anything else. And that's fine. People like Jesse Waters, who, you know, here, here's the thing that bothers me about people like that. All right. He, he uses his celebrity to make some kind of a stupid argument that all of life is decided by a small group of people. Well, we all know that's the case. We keep electing these buffoons. But to analyze that to the officiating crew in the Super Bowl is bizarre. If you didn't have officials, and nobody detests bad officials' causes more than I do, but if you didn't have officials, you'd have chaos. What are these people advocating? That you just play and let the players call their own fouls and their own penalties? Is that what you want? You want your players deciding what's a ball and a strike? You'd have fist fights. You'd play games that lasted six hours. Quit being moronic. And quit being crybabies. Good grief. These people act as though their life came to an end. And nonetheless, the referee got it right. That's the, that's the amazing point. I've never seen such caterwauling over a, an official's call where the player in question admitted he committed the foul. And yet people say, oh, no, that's not a penalty. <laughs> we are a delusional country, and it shows itself in every aspect of our lives all of a sudden. Crazy as that may be, people actually say it wasn't a penalty, even though the player who was whistled for committing the penalty said it was. So that would be like me robbing a bank, admitting later on it was me, I did rob the bank, and people saying, he didn't rob the bank. <laughs> They're nuts. 
And then you hear them all quoting bogus rules that aren't even in existence, like it was an uncatchable ball. That doesn't even apply to a holding penalty. But that's okay. Live in your delusional world and people like Jesse Waters who cry and whine. What a juvenile. You know, here's here's a tip. Before you want to bitch about officiating, learn the rules. Learn the rules first, then complain. No one's more vocal about complaining about officials than I've been in my life, but I also know that it's only when it's a violation on their part that I do complain. So when the officials get the call right, grow up. And know the rule yourself before you start mouthing off. I have friends of mine who are officials, damn good ones. Every official will tell you, hey, we, we can't get them right all the time. But it's a difficult game when it's moving at the speed it's moving at. What would they rather have? The official ignore a holding call, thereby altering the game in favor of the Eagles? Is that what they wanted? <laughs> oh, they don't call that during the game. How do you know? Did you watch every person on every play? Of course not. The arguments are frivolous at best. Well, as we kick the show off this morning, I'm reminded, of course, that it's Valentine's Day, so we must wish everyone a happy Valentine's Day. Though I'm not sure that most people are going to spend all that much money on Valentine's Day this year. People are hurting. Happy Valentine's Day to the Bidens, if they even know what day it is. I think she's as kind of as delusional as he is, isn't it? She's not real bright. Do you see him just sputtering around from place to place? Uh, Mr. President, what about these balloons? I got to get in the car. I can't even believe I'm watching it. It's like a reality check. Are we really in this country with this guy in charge? Now, we know he's not really in charge, but at least he sits in that office. And the rest of the world sees that. And now we're shooting down balloons, more balloons than you would let go at a child's Christmas party. I'm telling you, I saw a sign the other day. It said balloon rides temporarily suspended until further notice because they're shooting down every balloon they see. And they don't even know what they're shooting down. They admit, this is just like the Eagles defensive back who admitted he committed the penalty. John Kirby, a White House national security spokesman, admits they don't know what they're shooting down. So it could be your balloon from your birthday party. They don't know. And we're going to get into all of that, too, as we go along this morning. And you'll be happy to know that apparently E.T. is not piloting these balloons. Karine Jean-Pierre, the black lesbian, will be along to confirm that for us. We're not 100% certain. Joe Biden says that the Chinese balloon a week ago was not a major breach. Mark Esper, the former Secretary of Defense, will dispute that. Gordon Chang, an expert in all things China, knows exactly what all this means, and he'll tell us. At a time when Biden won't even comment, much less speak to the American public, about what kind of threat we're under, with these balloons flying here, there, and everywhere, 
Justin Trudeau, never known for his courage, at least spoke to the Canadian people. Or as Karine Jean-Pierre would say, the Canadia people. You'll hear that as well. She thinks our neighbors to the north are Canadia. (laughs) Oh, my God. Schumer wants you to believe that this is a coup for the United States, that we allowed that balloon to fly across our country for eight days, spying on sensitive military installations, and Schumer says it's a coup for us. Well, if that's the case, why did we shoot it down? Let it come back and fly over us again. And why are we shooting these other ones down? If that was a coup for us. Here's how mentally ill our Defense Department is. They shot them down in minus 44-degree weather around Alaska and Lake, I think it was Lake Huron. That one went in the water, never to be found again. (laughs) This is the Keystone Cops at work. It's called the United States Military Apparatus. Wow. Feel safe in this country? Let me ask you this question. Would you feel safe living here? under threat of China, or safer in China under threat from the United States. Much safer in China. Now, you might not live to feel safer. The government might just execute you for the hell of it, but they might do that here too. There are a lot of similarities between the two governments. You never thought you'd say that, did you? I never thought I'd say that. But there are a lot of similarities. Both hold political prisoners. Neither believe in freedom of speech. Both agree that if you speak against the government, you're a target of the government. A lot of similarities. In both countries, the government people make the millions of dollars while the peasants suffer. There's a lot of similarity between China and the United States. One big difference, though, They're not afraid of us. They used to be, but it's gotten so poor now, it's deteriorated so much, they don't even respect us, much less fear us. And why would they? This demented buffoon, who China has paid off handsomely in royalties for years, now understands why he got those payments. The Chinese expect compliance from him, and they're getting it. I don't know if the president of China's family is as corrupt as the United States Biden family is, but it couldn't be less corrupt, could it? Excuse me, it couldn't be more corrupt. I mean, this Biden clan has rewritten the books on government corruption in our country. But we don't know what we're shooting down. We're shooting at anything. So, uh, you know, it's almost you're almost afraid to fly in a plane, aren't you? For God's sakes, if you do fly in a plane, don't let a balloon go out the window. They'll be firing at you. They'll hit you by accident. Can you imagine? You're hearing the pilots of the jet fighters that are shooting them down saying they don't know what they shot down because they go by so fast (laughs) that they can't see it. That's a little odd, too, but at least that's plausible. It's a whacked-out country. But how about this comparison, right? If I told you 
a number of things that I'm about to tell you. I want you to determine for me if it's the NBA or the NFL. And we're going to go through this little quiz in just a few moments. But we've also uh, got a situation today that demands our attention, and that is this pitiful excuse for human life known as Sandy Cortez. I don't know if you've followed Sandy Cortez's lunacy after the Super Bowl. If you recall, if you were watching the Super Bowl, I should say, there were a couple of commercials paid for by a group known as He Gets Us. And these were all positive reaffirmations of Jesus in our lives. Very uplifting. It was great to see Jesus being portrayed the way he is in the Bible, as opposed to the way people like Sandy Cortez portray him and liberals everywhere. Jesus is the enemy after all. So after these two spots aired, Sandy Cortez tweets out, Something tells me Jesus would not spend millions of dollars on Super Bowl ads to make fascism look benign. Fascism. What is she referring to? A pro-Jesus group is a fascist group now? Well, that didn't sit well with the people who actually aired the ads, and their group responded. Our research shows that many people's only exposure to Jesus is through Christians who reflect him imperfectly and too often in ways that create a distorted or incomplete picture of his radical compassion and love for others. We believe that investing in efforts to ensure more people consider his life and movement as inspiration for their own will in turn help improve the lives of those listening. Now, not only is Sandy Cortez an atheist, a clear atheist, But she continues her winning streak as being the dumbest person in Congress. And that's a difficult thing to accomplish. You know, you look at the Chiefs and you say, they're the best team in professional football. And that was a tough thing to pull off. You look at the Houston Astros, they're the best team in baseball. That was a difficult chore to achieve. You look at hockey in the National Hockey League. The Blues were the best. Uh, Never mind hockey. But here she is, once again, being crowned as the dumbest person in Congress. One of the most arrogant, one of the most perpetually stupid, an angry, angry woman. My God, this woman's angry. Who hates Jesus? There's a correlation there. Hating Jesus is probably because you're angry, and it will keep you angry. But can you imagine... Someone who watched those spots, who interpreted them that way, which is a sickness all on its own, but who would then feel compelled to jump on Twitter. But she feels compelled to do that every day because she believes the entire world lives with bated breath to wait to await her message for the day. It tells you that the people of that district near Brooklyn that elected her or that was had an election stolen more likely, since Soros supports her. That whole area should be ashamed of themselves. Are there any God-fearing Christians that live in that area? I assume there are. Are you proud of her today? I wouldn't think so. 
The real question is, though, have you been proud of her on any day? She's just another uninformed big mouth. An atheist. No one complains about beer commercials or soda commercials. Soda, which has enough sugar to rot your teeth. Beer, uh, that we all love to drink beer, but if you drink too much of it, of course, you've got trouble. No one complains about that. They only complain about Jesus. What a trigger that name is for these psychopathic lunatics. How could the name Jesus be a trigger for your anger, your lies, and your hatred? Well, it is for people like Sandy Cortez and the rest of the liberals. That name is a trigger for them. And why would it be a trigger for them? It's because they hate Jesus. They hate America. That's another trigger word. America the beautiful. Oh, look out. That'll trigger them. If you ever let them know that Jesus created America and, of course, the entire world, that could trigger them into oblivion. That may end it for them. Maybe we should keep saying that. One way or another, we have to stop them. You're actually going to hear Roseanne Barr. Fox Nation went to her, and she did an hour stand-up comedy show that airs on Fox Nation now. But she has great ideas about where we are. You're going to hear from her. And what we must do, all of us, to stop it. Of course, as you well know, she experienced the cancel culture, which destroyed her show, which had made a spectacular comeback. And the problem with the cancel culture is Donald Trump liked the show and Roseanne liked Donald Trump. That led to the show being canceled. But she's back. Good for her and good for Fox Nation for approaching her. So you hear from also from the uh, teachers union people who are just beside themselves with how poorly the right-wing lunatics have treated their teachers because all they want to do is teach. Dr. Robert Malone is going to tell us if the COVID shot is safe this morning. So if you're thinking of getting a booster or if you're thinking of going out and getting a COVID shot for the first time, you might you might want to listen tonight today. It's important what he has to tell you. You want to listen and pay attention. If you recall anywhere in this world, Hitler's Germany, Stalin's Russia. Anytime Jesus is mentioned, the communists try to destroy it. And that's what these people are. So Jesus wins yet again. He's undefeated, by the way. Cortez is undefeated as the dumbest person in Congress. But Jesus is undefeated in every aspect of life. And when someone like Cortez comes at him, He must be thinking it's like the Chiefs playing a junior high school team, if even that. It's always good to hear from people like Sandy Cortez, isn't it? You're also going to hear this morning James Clapper, he of the Russian misinformation campaign against the Hunter Biden laptop, now claiming he never said it. Well, we have his own words, so will you be the judge?
Saki 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 is going to tell us how Republicans, how bad Republicans are for believing in freedom of speech. Do you ever think you'd be attacked for that? Well, you are now. John Fetterman is still in the hospital, and this is playing out just as the liberals wanted it to. Victor Davis Hanson will tell you how. And you'll hear from a bishop, a black bishop, who talks about what it takes to be a black conservative in our society today and what the real problem is with this country. I think you won't want to miss that. But let's kick it off with my teaser about these this little quiz I'm going to give you. I'm going to cite some statistics, and you tell me if it's the NBA or the NFL. Here we go. And he said, Dad, guess which is it? Is it NBA or NFL? 36 have been accused of spousal abuse. Seven have been arrested for fraud. 19 have been accused of writing bad checks. 117 have directly or indirectly uh, been bankrupted at least two businesses. Three have done time for assault. 71, I repeat, 71 cannot get a credit card due to their bad credit. 14 have been arrested on drug-related charges. Eight have been arrested for shoplifting. 21 currently are defendants in lawsuits, and 84 have been arrested for drunk driving in the last year. How many of you think NBA? How many of you think NFL? Well, the answer is neither. It's the 435 members of the United States Congress. Carpe diem. Bet you didn't see that one coming. Ha! Those are the people we've elected. They're worse than the NFL and the NBA. That's really saying something. We have more criminals in Congress than the NFL or the NBA. That's a scary proposition. And guess who put them there? You and me. Well, I didn't. The people I voted for aren't in. If you voted for these people, you better double-check your intelligence quotient, which to most people would be IQ. But this is real simple. These are the kind of people running the country. <laughs> That's a an eye-opener for the day, isn't it? Take that one to work with you. Give them the quiz. You want to hear it one more time so maybe you can jot down the numbers? Here they are. And he said, Dad, guess which is it? Is it NBA or NFL? 36 have been accused of spousal abuse. Seven have been arrested for fraud. 19 have been accused of writing bad checks. 117 have directly or indirectly uh, been bankrupted at least two businesses. Three have done time for assault. 71, I repeat, 71 cannot get a credit card due to their bad credit. 14 have been arrested on drug-related charges. Eight have been arrested for shoplifting. 21 currently are defendants in lawsuits, and 84 have been arrested for drunk driving in the last year. How many of you think NBA? How many of you think NFL? Well, the answer is neither. It's the 435 members of the United States Congress. Did you get those numbers? Now, how bad does your credit have to be in order to not qualify for a credit card? Our research assistant found that information, by the way. You have to be so bad. I mean, they'll give a credit card to any nitwit off the street. 
But their credit is so bad, a hundred and some out of them, that they can't even get a credit card. (laughs) And they're responsible for the financial wherewithal of the country. They're responsible for the debt. They can't even get a credit card. Big train wreck. I don't know if you saw the story in Ohio where there's toxic chemicals flowing out of a train. Animals that are around that accident area are dropping dead on the spot. That tells me these are powerful toxic chemicals. Now, that would be the job of the transportation director to immediately respond to that and have a solution, of course, at the tip of his tongue. Because, after all, he is the transportation secretary, which means he runs all things transportation. And that would be the failed mayor of South Bend, Indiana, Pete Buttigieg. But what is he worried about? He's not worried about that train wreck at all. He's not worried about the toxic spill. He's not worried about the dead animals and who knows what problems it's causing human beings or the environment that they cherish so much. He's not worried about any of that. His gibberish concerns too many white men in hard hats. We have heard way too many stories from generations past of infrastructure where you got a neighborhood, often a neighborhood of color, that finally sees the project come to them, but everyone in the hard hats on that project looking like, uh, uh, you know, doing doing the good-paying jobs don't look like they came from anywhere near the neighborhood. Right. You can build community wealth that will help close wealth gaps in this country if we can tear down those barriers. But that happens at the delivery level. Wow. I mean, I don't know how you respond to that. What a bigoted, rotten son of a bitch he is. This guy couldn't change his own tire if you gave him the manual and the tools. Yet he's the transportation secretary. What does white people in hard hats doing difficult construction jobs have to do with anything? But that's his concern. Too many white men in hard hats. You need more blacks. So if a company has contracted to build a nice rec center in the middle of, let's say, Martin Luther King Boulevard in any city in America, then you can't have white people doing it. Even though they're constructing a beautiful building, we can't have any white people building it because they don't look like who's in the neighborhood. How does he know, by the way? There are plenty of poor neighborhoods that are populated by white people in this country. We've heard far too many stories, he says, of white people in hard hats. God. He's sickening. He's sickening. Go home to your boyfriend, you whack job. How how is this guy ever appointed to anything? He's gay, that's how. Do you think for one second Biden, even though he's dementia-riddled, would have appointed this clown, this circus clown, to any cabinet position if you weren't gay? Please tell me you understand the connection. If you don't, you're not paying attention. This guy who's achieved nothing in his entire lifetime failed miserably as the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, and one of the main criticisms of him by the people at a town hall meeting were potholes in the streets. 
He can't fix potholes in a small college town as mayor, and that qualifies him for then being the transportation secretary. What's on your resume, old Pete? Well, I don't fix potholes very well. Hey, you're transportation director. If it wasn't so sad, you'd laugh at it. If it wasn't so pathetic, you'd pinch yourself. But it is pathetic, and it is sad, and he's disgusting in every possible human way. Never mind the toxic spill of the train. We've got too many white people in hard hats. It's got to be remedied immediately at the delivery level, he said, whatever that means. You ever listen to this bigot talk? Every time he talks, he wants to impress you with some words, some word salad that makes, ooh, wow, Pete's smart. Pete's monumentally stupid. He's also a complete fraud. An incompetent one at that. Well, I mentioned that we've been shooting down balloons like it's a circus tent. John Kirby, who's all of a sudden speaking in place of Karine Jean-Pierre, and I'm not sure why that's taking place. Kirby, can you definitively assess what these balloons are? We have not yet been able to definitively assess what these most recent objects are. We don't know what this exactly looked like, and again, we're still not sure exactly what what it, what the purpose of it was or who owned it. We're going to learn more. I'd rather not go into any more detail than that. We're sort of in uncharted territory here, uh, no pun intended. But we don't, you know, we don't we don't know. I won't speak for the president's uh, uh, personal uh, speaking schedule, but I mean, he has been deeply engaged in uh, every one of these decisions. He's been kept informed. Well, thank God for that. He's deeply engaged. Do, do you get the feeling that when you watch Biden, as I did the other day, walking from someplace into a car, it looked like he was on his last legs. I get the feeling that he's still coming down from the massive drug injection that he took for the State of the Union. I mean, what else could it be? He's essentially been invisible since then. So Kirby's admitting to us that they have no effing idea what they're shooting at. They might be shooting birthday party balloons flying up into the atmosphere. I tell this story at a Christmas party I had a few years back. A friend of mine's son, we went out on the back deck, and he had these balloons that, ironically, were made in China. And you could somehow, with a match, set them afloat, and away they go. And, I mean, this thing took off high into the sky. Of course, it was fun, harmless. Today, it'd be shot out of the sky with a missile. Anything that moves. The Wizard of Oz is in trouble. Don't be bringing Dorothy home in that balloon anymore. You you won't make it to Kansas, dude. You have no chance. But one thing we can rest assured of is that while we sit back and watch these balloons being exploded all over the world, North America, that we're not blowing up E.T. He's not part of this. Somehow, even though they know nothing about the balloons, they want you to understand that E.T. is not involved.
There is no, again, no indication of aliens or extraterrestrial activity with these recent takedowns. I don't think the American people need to worry about aliens with respect to these craft, period. I don't think there's any more that needs to be said there. Well, thank God for that. Bully for you guys. We don't have to worry about aliens piloting these balloons. But why are you shooting them down if you don't know what you're shooting down? And why are you shooting them down over frigid regions with 44 below zero temperatures or into Lake Huron where you can't retrieve them? And I thought, if I'm not mistaken, that our wonderful government, our military, and this NORAD dope up there, this Van Herklin, he's an imbecile, I recall them saying that they were able to mine information from that Chinese balloon, and that's why they let it fly over the country for eight days. Well, then why wouldn't you let these three keep flying if you're mining information from them? Don't we need that? Chuck Schumer said it was a coup for us to let that balloon fly over our military installations for eight days. A coup for us. Then please explain why you shot these three down. Is it no longer a coup to mine them for information? Clearly you were lying when you said that. You didn't mine crap out of them. And now you're just shooting them down willy-nilly. What do you suppose that cost American taxpayers? I don't know what those missiles cost, but they're not cheap. How much fuel do the fighter jets use when they fly up there to shoot them down? At least know what you're shooting down. And when you figure it out that it's Chinese, shoot it down immediately. None of this eight-day wait period. Now, I think it's very instructive when we listen to Karine Jean-Pierre, the little black lesbian. And I think it's very instructive when she tries to explain to us the workings of NORAD. <laughs> because no one can explain the complexities of NORAD better than Karine Jean-Pierre and how we worked in conjunction with our northern neighbors, Canada. Because it's part of a NORAD, there is a, the NORAD is part of like a part of a it's a it's a what you call a coalition, a consortium, so a pact okay. exactly, and so that's why we were able to do that. Again, it, we didn't do it on our own; we did right. it in in uh, in uh, clearly in in in, in, in step with uh, right. Canada. Can anybody point to a map and show me where Canada is? I don't know. Canada, we did it in partnership with Canada. Clearly, she said, we did it in partnership with Canada. NORAD is, well, a part of, part of uh, 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 what do you call a coalition? <laughs> this blubbering idiot. Trying to explain NORAD and in the same sentence refers to Canada as Canada. What are the Mexicans? They don't want to know. Trudeau doesn't realize he's Prime Minister of Canada and not Canada. Canada, of course, is a made-up country in the mind, the delusional mind, of the little black lesbian. Karine Jean-Pierre, who needed help to summon the word coalition. (laughs) 
uh, 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 what you call a, a, a coalition. Yeah, that's right. Thanks. <laughs> oh, God. There is nothing in my book, there's nothing funnier than a complete imbecile who thinks they're smart and who thinks they're impressive. And she's every one of those things. She's an imbecile, she isn't smart, and she isn't impressive. But she thinks she is. And that's where the humor comes in. And that's why we hear that, what we just heard. Because she believes she's really smart. We laugh at Biden when he makes all of these blunders, the State of the Union. Because it's sad. We're laughing out of sadness. But then we have this nutcake who isn't supposedly suffering from any dementia. She's pretty young. Dementia we usually identify with older people. And yet she seems to have, if she has it, I'll at least understand it. But if she is dementia-free, she's the dumbest person they've ever appointed to that job. And we know that's true. John Kirby's scary when he basically says they'll shoot down anything. There could be completely uh, benign and, and totally explainable reasons for why these these objects are flying around up there. Uh, certainly don't have to be nefarious at all. There are corporate entities that, that operate these kinds of things. There are academic research institutions that, that do this sort of thing. Uh, we just don't know. <laughs> but we'll shoot it down. This could be a corporate balloon or an academic institution, but we're shooting it down. Because we just don't know, he said. <laughs> you want to get scared further? It's scary enough that they'll shoot anything down all of a sudden. And that was after Biden was criticized for not actually taking down a Chinese spy balloon over Montana. Whereas a Montana congressman said the worst thing you could hit there was a cow if it fell from the sky. But scarier than we'll shoot down anything, and we just don't know what we're shooting at, is John Kirby's admission that the geniuses up there at NORAD aren't paying attention to their computer screens. The United States and Canada, through NORAD, have been more closely scrutinizing that airspace, including enhancing our radar capabilities, which, as the commander of NORTHCOM and NORAD, General Van Herc, said just last night, may at least partially explain the increase in the objects that have been detected. So we're noticing more objects, and we're detecting more of them because our guys are actually starting to pay attention to their computer screens. What were they doing? Playing cards? Partying? Bringing some hookers to NORAD to occupy the boys while they're supposed to be watching the computer screens that, I don't know, secure our nation? But by golly, we're spotting more of them now. Because our people are really paying attention, close attention, I might add. Not just attention, close attention. For Biden's part, the Chinese spy balloon that flew over our installations for eight days wasn't a major breach, he said, of our security. Mark Esper, who was defense secretary under President Trump, is it a major breach? It's absolutely a major breach. It's the... uh first intrusion of American airspace uh, in my lifetime that I can recall where a, a foreign adversary flew a surveillance platform 
not only over the United States, but over the most sensitive sites of the U.S. military in the States. And so it's a major breach, and it's a, it's a further breakdown in trust between our two countries. Yes, it is. Anyone who would say that's not a major breach is really stupid, is demonstrating their inability to recognize a threat when it's present and it's clear. And it's both. And Mark Esper recognized it. Lloyd Austin doesn't. But why don't you clear it up for us, big Lloyd, big man, the big the big man who's defense secretary, looks like he played defensive tackle. Big Lloyd, clear it up for us. I want to be clear. The three objects taken down this weekend are very different from what we were talking about last week. We knew exactly what that was, a PRC surveillance balloon. And as we have said, we do not assess that the recent objects pose any direct threat to the people on the ground, and we will continue to focus on confirming their nature and purpose. Let's see if we can analyze that short statement. We'll do our best. The premise of that short statement was this. We have no idea what was shot down. But then he said, these are very different than last week's shoot down of the Chinese spy balloon. Well, how do you know? How do you know if they're very different if you don't know what you shot down? How do you know that these are not a threat to anyone? He said they're not a threat. How do you know? You don't even know what you shot down, you dope. Uh, That's uh, not a threat to us. Why not? What is it? I don't know. Why would you expect me to know? I'm the Secretary of Defense. We just fire. Ready, fire, aim. What are you shooting at? Who knows? By the way, there are reports that apparently have been confirmed that they missed with one missile. Where'd that baby land? Why haven't we heard of that? I don't think missiles just disintegrate in the, in the air, do they? Not that I know of. Somebody was sitting home reading the Reader's Digest and got a missile for breakfast. What the hell's going on around here? I mean, honestly. What the hell's going on out here? He doesn't know what they are, but they are very different than what we shot down last week. And by the way, they pose no threat to anyone. But I have no idea what they are. John Kirby furthered the confusion when he was asked, whose balloons are these? The first one was Chinese. They admitted it. They claimed it was a weather balloon. We know it's not. These three, we don't have attribution for right now. We don't know. We don't know who owns them. Um, so I'm not going to take anybody's uh, word at face value here until we can get a chance to, t- to take a look at them. Are we in touch with the Chinese? Um, uh, we have we have a, an embassy in Beijing. Uh, we maintain routine diplomatic conversations, and we have had uh, in over that spy balloon incident. We did have uh, private discussions with senior Chinese leaders. Unfortunately, the Chinese military is not interested in talking to Secretary uh, Secretary of Defense Austin, but uh, but there are still ways to, to communicate. And the president would tell you that now is exactly the time to at least preserve some of those lines of communication so that we can avoid miscalculation. Is that what the president would tell us? How do we know what he would tell us? He hasn't said boo. In every one of these descriptions of our relationship now with the Chinese, never once have they said that Biden picked up the phone and called she his buddy, remember? They've logged, what, 7 million miles together? 
his buddy. She looked him in the eye and said, describe America to me. And he said, possibilities. That's his buddy. But he wouldn't even pick the phone up and call him. When Judy Woodruff in the PBS interview asked him last week, has this hurt our relationship with China? He said, no. And then he sat there and she said, how do you know? Because I know. That was his answer, because I know. If you gave that answer in school, the teacher would flunk you. A real teacher, you know, like a nun back in grade school. You'd get an F. And then you'd come home and you'd say, your dad would say, like my dad used to work on math problems with me. And if I'd give the answer, he'd say, how do you know that? And I'd say, just because I know. And he'd say, get out of here. You're grounded. You're stupid. I'm not falling for that. But that's what he's telling us. Because I know. Then she said, have you talked with President Xi? He said, our people have talked to the Chinese. Who's our people? And that's what Kirby just said. We've been in contact with the upper echelon of the Chinese government. Who? And then you admit that they're equal to Austin, won't even talk to Austin. If there was ever a Chinese middle finger given to the United States, it is now and it's both barrels. Austin, you're so beneath me that I won't even talk to you. That's what the Chinese counterpart is telling him. You're so monumentally stupid that I'm not even going to embarrass myself by talking to you. That guy is running our military, Mr. Woke. Mr. Woke himself. Are you are you amazed by that? I kind of am. <laughs> that is scary. That's very scary. I don't know what to tell you. Biden keeps saying it's not a major breach. He's telling us there's nothing to worry about. John Kirby says, hey, we don't know what we shot down, but you shouldn't worry. Gordon Chang, who is an expert on all things China, should these balloons present an ominous threat to us? Yes, they do, because it shows, uh, certainly the Chinese balloon intrusion shows an utter disregard and disrespect for the United States by floating that over our most sensitive facilities. Um, And that really means that deterrence is now lost, which means the Chinese are probably going to do whatever they want, which means we're going to be in a very difficult situation, perhaps over the United States, but certainly in Asia as well. (laughs) So there's a guy who actually knows what China is up to, how China operates, who should be in every administration, by the way. He should be our Chinese expert, whether it's a Republican or Democrat in office. But he's not. And shame on every president for not putting him in there. I don't know for a fact that he was not part of President Trump's administration. But we know he's not now. But he has his finger on the pulse of what goes on in China. That's for sure. It's so bad with Biden's inability to communicate to the American people that libs and Republicans alike in Congress are front and center telling him, we need more. 
I have real concerns about why the uh, administration is not being more forthcoming with everything that it knows. The Biden administration needs to stop briefing Congress through our television sets and actually come and sit down and brief us. The military needs to have a plan to not only determine uh, what's out there, but determine the dangers that go with it. I believe the American people uh, are owed an explanation. If they're serious enough for us to send fighter jets out to shoot down, then I think it's uh, it's okay for the American people to know who's behind this. Yeah. But not only do they not know who's behind it, they don't know what they shot down. When you say who's behind it, behind what? They don't know. They're clueless. Now, that montage there were equal Democrats and Republicans. And they both said the same thing, perhaps for the first time in history. Biden has brought... Democrats and Republicans together in their mutual distrust and disrespect for him. That's quite an achievement. Everyone agrees he's failing. How bad is it when the President of the United States, the supposed leader of the free world, is outshone by Justin Trudeau, who actually spoke to the Canadian people. Yesterday, NORAD confirmed um, that an unidentified object uh, entered unlawfully Canadian airspace. Uh, It represented a reasonable threat to civilian aircraft, uh, so I give the order to take it down. Now, wait a minute. It represented a threat. Well, that's not what our people just told us. Kirby went out of his way to tell us there was no threat. No one should feel unsafe, but Trudeau said it it was a threat, so he gave the order to shoot it down. He's a stronger leader than Biden. Wow. Words that I never thought I would say. Not because Biden's a strong leader, but because Trudeau's completely ineffective and a spineless wimp. But he's stronger than Biden. What does that tell us all? It should make us run for the hills in fear. Do you know that never in our lifetimes, and that includes everybody, has any foreign country flown surveillance aircraft of any kind over our territory, over our airspace? Never before. Not once. And the reason? They knew they'd be shot out of the sky immediately, the minute they crossed the border. But we seem to have trouble securing our borders with regard to everything now. With regard to illegal aliens on the southern border, with regard to aircraft piloted by Communist Party members, people that want to destroy us. Open borders to everything. You're experiencing a lot of firsts during Biden's regime, aren't you? First time we've ever had enemy aircraft over our airspace, hovering over our military installations. And what do we do? What do we tell you about it all? We don't know. But, man, did we mine that balloon for information. We mined it for so much information that they launched three more balloons. But as Gordon Chang said, maybe the other ones were Russian, the ones that came from the north. We don't know that for sure. But you can rest assured that at least one of them's from China and it's not a weather balloon because it came from that direction. But NORAD is at the ready now, so 
no more worrying for us. The NORAD guys have stopped playing Xbox long enough to actually pay attention to the real computer that they're responsible for watching. They're sitting there shooting planes down on their Xbox while real enemy aircraft are coming into our airspace. Huh? What? Where? I got Joe's ship. I sunk it. Hey, dude, this is real life. Oh, oh. Well, I wasn't paying attention to that. I got comfortable in my NORAD cave when Donald Trump was in because we knew that no one would dare threaten our airspace. I guess we let it carry over foolishly. Now, big Charlie Schumer, who's one of the most pathological liars in our nation's history, is trying to convince us that allowing the Chinese spy balloon to hover over our military installations for eight days is a tremendous coup for us because we mined it for so much info. Uh, We got enormous intelligence information from surveilling the balloon as it went over the United States. Didn't the Chinese get enormous intelligence as well? Well, they, they could have been getting it anyway, but we have to know what they're doing. Okay, and we don't know exactly, but we got a lot of that. And even more importantly, by shooting it down over water, U.S. waters, only six miles out from South Carolina, we're going to probably be able to piece together this whole, whole uh, surveillance balloon and know exactly what's going on. So that's a huge coup for the United States. That's a huge coup. We got so much information. What did you get? I mean, really, what did you get? What did you discover... By allowing it to hover over our airspace for eight days, what would you discover? Here's what I discovered, and I'm a civilian. I discovered that the Chinese are handing you your lunch. That they're telling you, we're going to surveil your military installations and you're going to like it. And I don't want to hear a peep out of you, Biden. Now, that's what I got out of it. Schumer claims they got unbelievable stuff, but won't name one thing. I, a civilian, just named the three things that I got out of it. By the way, none of them are good for the United States. They're all dangerous. Cash Patel was in the Trump White House. Cash, how would you guys have handled this situation if it had occurred under your leadership? A, this would never have happened. B, if it did, take them out. And also, let's just highlight the buffoonery that is the collection effort, the recollection effort that these guys are talking about. They're shooting things down, and they're like, oh, it went underwater, so we don't have the ability to go take it. Why weren't our men and women staged on the lake, on the shores of Lake Huron ready to go recover this thing and out in the waters off the coast of South Carolina? It's as if they had no idea where this project is, uh, object was going to come down and land. They did have no idea. They had no idea. It's hard to believe. But let me repeat it for you. They had no idea. And they still have no idea. You've heard all the evidence this morning from their own mouths. We don't know what we're shooting down. We don't know whose balloon it is. We don't know where it was going, where it came from. We don't know what it was doing. We don't know anything. But we shot it down. And we mined that other one for more information than you can ever believe. And yet we didn't mine these three for information. It wasn't a threat to anyone, yet Trudeau says it was a threat. And as we can all rest assured of, E.T. was not piloting any of these balloons, and neither was, so far as we know, the Wizard of Oz. All other bets are off. 
I think we turn it over to Chiefs Nation. Kansas City Chiefs and their tomahawk chomp. I love that the Chiefs still do that. Screw all of you do-gooders. We'll do whatever the hell we want. I would imagine that uh, chop, Tomahawk Chop will be played tomorrow at the parade in Kansas City. Kansas City's had a lot more parades than we have recently, haven't they? They've had two Super Bowl winners and a World Series winner since the Cardinals were last even in the World Series. In fact, since the Cardinals last won a playoff game, I believe. May not go back that far. We've had the Blues, but that's it. And the Blues disintegrated, just like the Kansas City Royals. The Blues are the Royals of the National Hockey League. Win a Stanley Cup, goodbye, we're done. There's good reason why we should send those tomahawk choppers into the government and take care of business, because we don't trust those people. Is there any reason for us to trust anyone in government anymore? Think about that. Now, if an outsider got in like Trump, I would trust them until they showed me I couldn't because they're business people. I will never vote for any president again who isn't from the business sector. I just won't do it. Career politicians, you don't even apply when it comes to my vote because you're not getting it. I don't give a damn who you are. I'll write my own name in but I'm not voting for those people. And people will say, well, then you're wasting your vote. No, I'm not. I'm telling you that I won't vote for those people. And if you do because you think, well, I'll be wasting my vote, then shame on you. You're the reason they keep getting in. I don't care if I'm the only vote that won't vote for a career politician. I'm not doing it. Because when push comes to shove and this country blows up like smithereens, then I can say, you know what? I didn't contribute to that crap. I resisted them, all of them. But people won't do it. Molly Hemingway knows there's no reason to trust them. Particularly after what Americans have gone through in recent years, where pretty much every institution and establishment institution has mishandled whatever responsibility they have. You know, whether it was the COVID debacle, which was really the failure of how people responded to it was so much worse than even the horror of the pandemic itself. And by not being truthful with Americans, it gave people no reason to trust what their institutions are saying. We have a military and industrial complex and an intelligence industrial complex that has been engaged in partisan politicking instead of actually knowing how to you know, wage and win wars or defend the country. So, no, Americans have no reason why they would put trust in these people. And the lack of transparency does nothing to help. She actually misspoke when she said the government has manhandled or, excuse me, mishandled every single thing that's come their way. They've lied about everything that's come their way. They've intentionally created these crises. They hate America. They want to change what was working for over 250 years. And they don't just want to make minor changes. Not, not things called progress. You know, like 
going from a Model T to a Chevy sedan. They don't want those kinds of changes. They want your entire culture to be wiped out. And they hate white people even though they're white people. Isn't that odd? Almost every one of these liberals you hear mouth off about race is white. And yet I don't see them giving up their seat in Congress to a black person. Huh. I wonder why. Pete Buttigieg says there's too many white people in hard hats on construction jobs. So he wants to give the construction jobs away to black people, whether they're qualified or not. And yet he won't give his job away to a black person. Why? Because he's uniquely unqualified to do what he's doing. I mean, you could put the dumbest black person in the world in his spot, and it wouldn't make any difference. But why doesn't he advocate more black people in the cabinet, like his spot? Blinken, why aren't you telling us we need more black secretaries of state? I mean, you're so quick you want to give away white people's jobs all over the country. People have earned their way. Buttigieg, he makes me want to vomit every time I think about it. He is really sickening. And blatantly incompetent. Go tell us about the climate change, you jackass. I mentioned that we can't sit back. We have to do something. In our little areas of our life, of this country, we can do something. Whatever it is, however small, it doesn't matter. Do something to stop these people. Be security at these polling places. Do something, anything. Organize groups. Go to Washington. Write congresspeople. Deliver them, hand-deliver them to their office. Whatever. Roseanne, who now has a special on Fox Nation, agrees that if we don't do it now, it'll be too late. And a whole crapload of us need to get together and make sure that happens. We need to do it in every state, every state capital, and take it all the way. As talk about Mrs. Mr. Smith goes to Washington, a whole bunch of Mr. and Mrs. Smiths, we need to go and we need to do it. And if we don't do it now, we are never going to get the chance to do it again. She's right. But what are we doing about it? If I were Eric Greitens or someone who would run for office, try to get a coalition put together because there are donors that supported Governor Greitens. Those people, I would imagine, would donate to form a coalition of people who could attack in every state, every capital. By attack, I don't mean physically attack. I mean attack the politicians by bringing our complaints to them right on their doorstep. They probably won't find them in their state capitals. They'll be in their cozy office in Washington. So while we can go to the state capitals and put the pressure on the state legislatures, which we should do, we should also do it to them. But we need top leadership for those coalitions. And those should be people who have access to money. Big money. I think a lot of people would volunteer to be a part of that coalition. I would be. If Eric Greitens came to me or someone like him and said, we've put together this group, but we need people to come with us. We're going to Washington tomorrow, next week. I'd go in a heartbeat. 
So we need to prevail upon those kinds of people. Roseanne, for instance. Put your money where your mouth is. You've got the money. There'll be plenty of people who follow you. Plenty. A whole crap load, like she says. Well, a whole crap load of people have taken this bogus experimental drug called a vaccine. Many people have died as a result. Others are hopelessly ill. Many will never recover. And yet they keep pushing it on more and more people. Younger people who've never been in need of it. Dr. Robert Malone, who has been at the forefront of this nonsense and fighting against the lies in using supportive data to to prove his case, is this vaccine shot, the COVID shot, once and for all, is it safe? In my opinion, it's neither safe nor effective. We have the recent paper from Tony Fauci and his colleagues at NIH in which they're acknowledging that it's not effective, and it probably never would have been. But the data regarding safety is becoming quite clear, and the more jabs you take, the more likely you are to get COVID, according to the recent study that's been published by uh, the Cleveland Clinic. Not safe, not effective. In fact you're more likely to get it, more people will get it, who've been injected. People are still running out getting a flu shot, which I can never understand. Never have, never will. But it's, you know, never would I tell someone not to do something because they could tell me to go F off. It's none of my business. And it isn't. I'm just giving you the facts and the data and the people who are experts. I do what I do. You do what you do. I scratch my head wondering why you follow government advice. That's a mind-boggling head-scratcher for me. And why you would listen to anything the people in power today tell you. I'm at a loss to understand that. I'd love for people to be required to explain why they follow them. But that won't happen either. And then we have the supposed educators in this country and their whining, complaining leadership, a woman by the name of Becky Pringle. She's a black woman. She uh, is the NEA, National Education of America, something like that. And she's speaking at one of their conventions the other day, whining and bitching. And who's she bitching at? The Republicans, because after all, we don't want her little teachers to indoctrinate our youth into lies about racism, And we don't want them to expose our young children to perversion. My guess is that Becky Pringle is a sexual pervert or she wouldn't advocate for this kind of perversion in schools. We have a shortage of basic dignity, a shortage of respect for the people who have dedicated their lives to educating America's students. Add to it being thrust into the center of the culture wars. And they're being subjected to the outright attacks from the far right for simply taking on the responsibility. It's not a responsibility of a teacher to lie to my child about race in this country. It's not a responsibility of a teacher to show perverted books and literature and pictures to my children. That's not a teacher's responsibility. It has nothing to do with the role of a teacher. 
Zero. Zilch. Nada. But you arrogant, pompous, sexual pervert Becky Pringle thinks it is. The teachers have been thrust into the middle of the culture war. You thrust them in there. No one else did. They did it themselves. How many teachers stood up and said, I will not be a part of this sexual perversion of children? How many stood up and said, I will not be a part of these lies, these racial lies that they're forcing me to teach children? I will not be a part of critical race theory bullcrap. How many teachers have stood up and said that? The number is so rare it would cure cancer. So, yes, it's the teacher's fault. They're the cowards. They're the ones who you claim are dedicating their life to educating our children as if they're some kind of soldiers going to war in a foxhole with enemy fire all around them. You jackass. Don't try to make it like teachers are some sort of soldier in harm's way. Thrust into the center of the culture war. You put them there. You, Becky Pringle. Now, the deposed, the once and deposed a spokesperson for the White House, Saki Saki Saki, running around with her new gig on MSNB hee-haw, and she is hee-hawing just like the jackass she is, now claiming that Republicans really are for free speech, and that's a definite no-no. So what these Republicans are doing, essentially, is they are defending the pushing of inaccurate, dangerous information on the platforms that most people receive information from. That are That is racist, dangerous, prompted January 6th, is prompting people not to get vaccinated. That's what they're defending. That's the hill they have decided they want to die on. Anyone who's promoting a vaccine, like she just did, claiming that those who say don't do it are giving misinformation. Someone like her, the next time someone dies from that shot, she should be arrested and prosecuted for murder. She's one of the most despicable people on this earth. Republicans use dangerous speech, racist, misinformation. Give me an example, asshat, because you just did it. You just lied to people by saying those who are advocating against a vaccine shot are lying. You're the liar. And the facts back it up. The data says, Saki, 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 Biden, and anybody else who pushes vaccines is a liar. And they're dangerous. There could be nothing more dangerous than speech that advocates someone to take an experimental drug that research shows A, doesn't help, B, isn't safe. That's as dangerous as you can be, especially when you have a platform. Now, the only people, thank God, who watch MSNB Hee-Haw are racists. So if the racists want to take the shot and die, who gives a damn? They won't be missed. And then Saki went on to lie some more about local political campaigns. And if she was running a local political campaign and an ad was run that was a lie about her opponent, here's what she says would happen. 
if you are running a local political campaign and you're running ads on television and you say something inaccurate about your opponent, guess what happens? Your ad gets pulled down. It does? <laughs> Where? What world does that woman live in? No one's ad ever gets pulled down. Do you know why? Because broadcast outlets and print outlets who run ads like money. And so when the candidate is paying them money, they aren't the arbiter of what's true or what's not true. They don't even care. They want the money. If you don't bounce the check, they'll run the ad. I have never in my lifetime heard of an ad being taken down by a broadcast outlet in a political cycle. Never. And if what she said were true, then Eric Schmidt's attack ads on Eric Greitens would have been taken down immediately. Not just because they were false, which they were, but because of the way they used a female voice to act as though it was Greitens' ex-wife. And that somehow he had harmed her physically, mentally, emotionally, in every way, and done the same to his own children. Never in the history of political ads has anything been as big a lie as that. And they proved it was a lie, and it still wasn't taken down. It ran right up until the moment of the election. Again, when people speak like that, when people lie blatantly like Saki does, the consequential results of those lies should be taken into account when criminal action should be undertaken. And again, this is how you stop them. The tools are there to stop them. They have to be enforced. You want to deface buildings? You want to protest? You want to destroy government property? You start getting shot. Guess how many times people go out again after that? Never. Never. Philadelphia Eagles fans want to run down and destroy government property because an official's call went the way that they didn't like? What are you, some kind of psychopath? Yes, you are. And you you, you have to be handled. You have to be handled in the right way so that you will never consider something like that again. And that's how you restore order and chaos to a society that has been as is run amok. We are allowing these psychopaths to dictate by breaking every law that's on the books with zero accountability. And, of course, people like Saki would prohibit freedom of speech when you simply question election results or question John Fetterman's fitness to serve or question Biden's fitness, mental fitness. We're not talking about how fast he can run the 100-yard dash. But if you merely ask about it, they want you canceled. Now we've got Fetterman in a hospital. Victor Davis Hanson understands how it happened. I mean, anybody who voiced concern was accused of ableism. You remember that, that you were deprecating yep. uh, the health of somebody who was impaired. And then there's the, the, the other thing is the asymmetry of it all. When Donald Trump got in that exchange with Kim Jong-il about, mm, about the uh, buttons and nuclear weapons, they said he was crazy. And all of a sudden we had Rod Rosenstein and Andrew McCabe apparently wearing a wire or we're going to to entrap the president to prove that he had should be removed. 
We had Rosa Brooks in foreign policy calling for either a coup or a 25th Amendment removal of Donald Trump because he wasn't fit cognitively. They had this bandy, remember her, Lee, the Yale psychiatrist that they dragged up uh, to Congress, and then she testified that there should be an intervention, straitjacket removed Donald Trump, and it got so bad, finally, he had to take the Mon- Montreal Cognitive Assessment by his doctor, Ronnie Jackson, and, of course, he aced it. And so when it turns, it's just the same thing that we've seen the entire time. Donald Trump has to be subject to all these things with a mere inference so true. The hypocrisy is astounding. It's just astounding. But when it's their guy, when it's Fetterman, or when it's Biden, no cognitive test is needed. They're very sensitive about cognitive abilities and leadership, except when it applies to them. So mm-hmm. I think they think there's a Republican governor now in Pennsylvania. I mean, a Democratic governor in Pennsylvania and Fetterman did his job. They, he got elected and now that the governor can appoint somebody who's uh, more effective. That's the plan. Someone who's more effective at the Biden baloney, the baloney stand. It's pretty incredible, isn't it? That's what they're trying to do. We've been able to see it all along, haven't we? Of course we have. Schumer and Witchcraft in Michigan are here to tell you that Joe Wuhan Willie O'Tala Biden has done such a spectacular job they can't wait to support him for president, and yet while they tell us what a great job he's done and how somehow the message isn't getting out, they can't point to one thing that he's done. Part of it is that we now have to make sure the American people, they've read what we have done, but they haven't seen it. And this second year is going to be a year of implementing, getting the good things that we did out. He's got a record of delivering for people at this point. Polls are just, you like him or you don't like him. It's not a matchup. When we see a matchup, I think people are going to see this president has delivered, and that's why you see so many of my colleagues and me getting ready to, to help him win re-election. <laughs> He's delivered. He's delivered record inflation. He's delivered record job loss. He's delivered record problems in Afghanistan. He's delivered record problems on the border. Here's what he's delivered since he took office. Inflation went from 1.4% to 8.3%. Now it's down into the sixes. Still six times what it was under Trump. Gas went from an average of 239 to 376, which is what it is now. It went as high as 7 and $8. And it's going up, by the way. It's It's rising. It's a rising tide. Mortgage rates from 2.65% to 7.08%. Average rent from $1,625 a month to $2,039 a month. The NASDAQ fell from 13.3 to 10.8. Grocery price increases 3.7% to 13.5%. Quadrupled. Electric prices uh, rose more than groceries. Up almost 16 times what it was. 1.5% under Trump, 15.8% under Biden. Hourly wages, well, that went down. They were up 4% under Trump. They're up 2.8% under Biden. 
That's what he's delivered, witchcraft and Schumer. If you notice, they never specified anything that he'd accomplished. They're just telling you how much he's done. He's done so much. We just have to get it out. Then get it out. Spit it out. What has he done? Bueller? Hello? Nothing. Well, he's done plenty, but nothing that you'd want to shout about. And that's why they never shout about it. They just shout. It's much easier to spew noise and distract everybody from reality than it is to point out all the good that Biden has done since there isn't anything. If you recall, a few, well, right around election time, when Biden was running and the Hunter laptop was discovered and 50-something former CIA operatives signed a letter in defense of Biden saying that Hunter Biden's laptop was Russian disinformation, had all the hallmarks of it. James Clapper was one of them. He now claims that Politico wrote a hit job on them, that that's not what they meant. He says there was message distortion. I love how liberals come up with new phrases all the time to try to somehow justify their lies. Message distortion, whatever that is. All we were doing was raising a yellow flag that this could be Russian disinformation. Politico deliberately distorted what we said. Politico wrote that you said it was disinformation, Russian disinformation. You now say they deliberately distorted that, and that's not what you said. Well, here's what you did say. To me, this is uh, just classic uh, textbook uh, Soviet-Russian tradecraft at work. Textbook, classic, you said. Politico didn't even use those words. You did. It was textbook, classic Russian disinformation. Now he says it was message distortion, whatever that is. Don't you love these people? I wonder what their phrase of today is going to be. It's coming. Whoever's running that Democratic shit show is trying to think it up now. But whatever it is, it will be a message distortion. I promise you that. I told you earlier about a bishop by the name of E.W. Jackson. People have criticized me because I... This bishop is a black conservative Republican. And as such, you can imagine the kind of criticism he gets coming his way, just like our friend Andrew Jones, who ran for Congress and ran for mayor here in St. Louis, a black conservative, and the kind of attacks that they have to be subjected to are almost criminal. In fact, they probably are. Bishop E.W. Jackson felt them as well when he allowed it to be known that he was a Republican conservative. People have criticized me because I I happen to be a Republican, but I tell them I didn't learn conservatism from the Republican Party. I learned it from a proud black father who took me out of foster care when I was 10 years old and taught me what it really meant to be a man. Taught me things like you are responsible for your own life. You are responsible for your own decisions and you will bear the rewards and you will bear the consequences. And I don't, I don't expect you to fail. You go out there and you do what you need to do. Go over, under, around, through any obstacle that gets in your way. 
I was never taught that white people are your problem. I was taught if you got a problem, it's primarily you. <laughs> so get at it. Go do it. Carpe 5,000 times DM to Bishop E.W. Jackson. That's what happens when you have a father in the relationship, in the in the home. And this was his foster father. He was pulled out of a disintegrating life. He described it. He was angry. He was mad and bewildered why his parents didn't want to raise him. It was confusing. He felt inadequate because of it. He was taking it out on other people. And as he described his real father now, a strong black father who took him under his wing. And look what's look what's developed. A son that anybody would be proud to call their own. But he wasn't taught that the white man, the, that white evil man, the white man in the hard hat that Pete Buttigieg detests so much is the boogeyman around the corner. Good old Whitey. I would much prefer listening to the wisdom of that bishop, who is black, than anything white people like Saki or Biden or Buttigieg ever have to say. Because he's telling you the way it is, they're lying to you to get a vote. So they can remain in power, that they can create more wealth for themselves, and that's the end of the story. That's all they're out to do. Well, I'm out to save you some money and get you the best car deal you've ever had. How do I do that? I direct you to stl-cars.com. Now, you can go on that website and you can browse their inventory, over a 1,000 cars, SUVs, trucks. And at some point, you're going to find something you like, or you'll call them or text them and say, I looked at everything you have. I have ideas, but you don't quite have what I want. And you know what will happen then? You tell them the price that you want, and they'll go find it. Here's the car I want. Here's the price I want to pay. Go find it for me. And they say, you betcha. That's what they do. And then you pick it up and drive home. Or they'll deliver it to you. They delivered my sons to him. They delivered mine to me. 314-309-3633. 314-309-3633.stl-cars.com. Ask for Don when you call or text. And if you feel like buying a car is like going to the dentist, if you feel like your Saturdays are wasted when you're going from car dealership to car dealership, never getting a true answer, waste your time no more. STL-cars.com. I mean, it truly is that easy. You're going to say, nothing's that easy. And you'd say that with good reason, probably. Because our experience tells us that nothing is that easy. But it's just the truth. STL-cars.com. They're your personal car concierge. It's a pretty good deal, isn't it? Make sure you tell them that we sent you, and you never know what awaits you. But I do know this much. It'll be good. It will be good. I will take a, a quick break. 
And when we come back, of course, as always, we open up the floor to your calls. 636-538-0746 if you'd like to join us. 636-538-0706. I'm sorry, 0746. I walked through a county courthouse square on a park bench, an old man was sitting there. I said, your old courthouse is kind of run down. He said, no, it'll do for our little town. I said, your old flagpole has leaned a little bit, and that's a ragged old flag you got hanging on it. He said, have a seat. And I said, Al, is this the first time you've been to our little town? I said, I think it is. He said, I don't like to brag, but we're kind of proud of that ragged old flag. You see, we got a little hole in that flag there when Washington took it across the Delaware. And it got powder burned the night that Francis Scott Key said, watching it right and say, can you see? And it got a bad rip in New Orleans With Packingham and Jackson tugging at its seams And it almost fell at the Alamo Beside the Texas flag, but she waved on low She got cut with a sword at Chancellorsville And she got cut again at Shiloh Hill There was Robert E. Lee, Beauregard, and Bragg And the south wind blew hard on that ragged old flag. On Flanders Field in World War I, she got a big hole from a Bertha gun. She turned blood red in World War II. She hung limp and low a time or two. She was in Korea, Vietnam. She went where she was sent by her Uncle Sam. She waved from our ships upon the briny foam, and now they've about quit waving back here at home. In her own good land here, she's been abused. She's been burned, dishonored, denied, refused. And the government for which she stands is scandalized throughout the land. And she's getting threadbare, and she's wearing thin, but she's in good shape for the shape she's in. She's been through the fire before, and I believe she can take a whole lot more. So we raise her up every morning, we take her down every night, we don't let her touch the ground, and we fold her up right. On second thought, I do like to brag, because I'm mighty proud of that ragged old flag. Slayton with you on this Tuesday morning, it is. Tuesday, rainy Tuesday morning. 
Remember, right here on KevinSlaytonShow.com is where you come every day for the live broadcast. You can hear the podcast here as well. Also on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon. And remember that if you go Google Kings Court Kevin Slayton, scroll down to where it says Apple Podcasts. When you click on that, there'll be three dots at the top right-hand corner. Hit that and then click Follow. And scroll down to where it says Write a Review or Rating. And write a small review. It helps us greatly. We have become, thanks to your help, a a podcast that internationally is in the top 10% of all podcasts worldwide. Top 10%. We want to crack the top 5%. And we can do it with things like that. With you simply writing a review, that registers for us, whether it's negative or positive. doesn't matter. And you can do it every day. You can do it after every show. takes you two minutes. If you don't mind helping us, we'd appreciate it. Everybody involved in this show works long and hard to bring you the best and bring you the truth. We ask in return a couple of minutes of your time. While you're at work daydreaming, just pop it in there. Give us a review. While you're at work getting angry at Biden, think, you know, at least Slayton's on our side. Let's give him a good review or a bad review. Just give him a review. Follow us. It works. You've gotten us this far. Give us that present for Valentine's Day. Will you let us be your Valentine? <laughs> I don't think so. But happy Valentine's Day to all of those who are involved in uh, a situation where they can enjoy their Valentine. I saw a meme on Facebook last night. This guy was lying on the recliner with his head down, his arm draped over the couch, his wife lying on the couch in the other direction. Away from him, he says, happy Valentine's Day. She says, you too. (laughs) That's kind of the way it gets. Hey, it's raining out, and that means the grass is going to start getting green very soon. And thank goodness for me, mine will shine like no other because green envy has been at work all winter long on my yard, on my bushes, on my trees. It doesn't matter. What it is, Green Envy will make it green for you. 636-757-1600. 636-757-1600. They've been treating my lawn now for a few years. And I'm literally the envy of the neighborhood. Growing grass on clay was never an easy chore. But they've not only done it, they have made it thick, lush, and green. And it doesn't matter whether it's August or June I don't have to worry. I do very little. I don't water it very much because I'm dumb. I just don't get around to it. But my friend has installed a cycle of water, so it does it automatically. But it's not hard. It's not hard to do. And you'll be thankful that you did. And when you call Green M, you just tell them, we told you to call. I think you'll be happy about the results. Well, in fact, I know you will be. Some things I just know. Because I can use my own experience to back it up. I think we've mentioned just about everything there is to mention about the Super Bowl. But there is one other thing. We did talk about the supposed black national anthem that was sung before the game. Reminding everyone there is no such thing as a black national anthem. There is no country named black. If you can show it to me on the map, please do. But it doesn't exist. So therefore, you do not have a national anthem. You might have a song that you might consider one of your favorites, 
I have a bunch of favorites. Ragged Old Flag is one. There was a great Super Bowl ad this weekend that featured that song from Johnny Cash. That's one of my favorite songs, but I don't call it the Slayton National Anthem because I'm not a country. Neither are black people. So there's no such thing. There's no white national anthem. We have a national anthem for our nation. If you don't like it, don't sing it. But when it's played at an athletic event, you stand up. Otherwise, I consider you to be a traitor. Carrie Lake was at the Super Bowl, and when they played the supposed black national anthem, which isn't, she didn't stand. She may have been the only person in the stadium that didn't stand. That's courage. That's honesty. That's the kind of person you want leading you, whether it's political battle or any other kind of battle. She's not going to be swayed by liars. She's not going to be swayed by this culture uh, insanity. She's not going to be swayed by people who want to scream racism at every corner. She knows there's no such thing as a black national anthem, so why be a fraud? Now, at places like Lindenwood, where they tried to play it and sneak it in before the uh, regular national anthem, I'll never be fooled again. I'm going to go to another Lindenwood game this year just so I can sit while they play that. And if more people would take that stand instead of being cowards, and that's what most people are, as soon as if someone tells you to tells you to stand, you better stand, otherwise someone might call you a racist. Oh God, I can't have that. I think it's almost a badge of honor to be called a racist in this society. That means you're doing things right. And Carrie Lake said, F you, I'm not standing. And she didn't. And it was a classic. Even in write-ups of the uh, moments, they call it the controversial playing of the Black National Anthem. It's not controversial that they play it. It's controversial that they call it the National Anthem, the Black National Anthem. It's not. Carrie Lake tweeted out, I'm just here for the capital letters, T-H-E, National Anthem, with a flag next to it. One Twitter user responded by saying, good for her. No one should support this. It was created to divide the country. That's exactly why it was created. And created is the operative phrase. There's no other reason for it. It doesn't exist. I thought only the NFL was dumb enough and woke enough and cowardly enough to play such a stupid song. And by stupid, I mean in calling it the Black National Anthem. I haven't listened to the song. Don't know if it's good or bad. But I was wrong. Lindenwood also does it. Why? I assume because their athletic director is a coward and their administration is made up of a bunch of cowards. And it should go without saying that during our national anthem, the country's national anthem, you take your damn hat off. Many people don't. Very sad. If you're a woman or if you're a man without a hat, put your hand over your heart. It's the one time that you can actually display patriotism. It doesn't hurt you. 
It's unbelievable. It's really pathetic. Carrie Lake said, I'm against a black national anthem for the same reason I'm against a white national anthem, a gay national anthem, a straight national anthem, a Jewish national anthem, a Christian national anthem, and so on. We are one nation under God. Francis Scott Key's words ring true for every single American citizen, regardless of their skin color. James Weldon Johnson's Lift Your Voice is a beautiful song, but it's not our national anthem. It's no one's national anthem. I don't know if it's a beautiful song or not. Like I said, haven't listened to it. As soon as I hear them say black national anthem, I'm done. Turn the sound down or go do something else. I don't need it. Phone lines are open, 636-538-0746-0746. Conrad Dober died yesterday. He was the former Big Red offensive lineman, a guard, on the greatest offensive line in the history of the NFL, an offensive line that allowed eight sacks, eight sacks for an entire season. That's incredible. And I'm going to get into Conrad here in a minute. Good morning. You're on the Window World Kings Court. How are you today? Kevin. How you doing, Ron? I want to be very clear about this. <laughs> I take your I take your show very seriously. <laughs> so, as soon as I hear those words, I know you're lying. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible that they say that every single time, isn't it? it? It really is. It's it's almost as though they were given a script. To be clear, I just want to make this perfectly clear, perfectly clear, because just being clear isn't perfectly clear. But I take it seriously. And the president is taking this very seriously. Extremely. He is informed. He's engaged, they said. Whatever any of that means. He's one serious individual. He's a very serious guy. (laughs) He's not coming down off of a massive drug induction for the State of the Union address. No, that's not happening. Well, I was just listening to uh, the Johnny Cash piece, piece you played and I have to admit, I started to tear up a little bit when you think about what this ha- what's happened to this country. Isn't it true? I tear up every time uh, I hear that song. Honestly, it is so touching, and someone will be that proud of our flag, like we all should be, and that in the name of liars, cheaters, scumbags, we've lost all respect for that flag. Well, what makes it even worse is when you think about all those tens of thousands of young guys who gave their lives on battlefields. And uh, and if they could see what's happened to this country now, oh, my gosh. You think they'd defend this country now? I don't even know why a young guy would sign up. I don't either. This country at this point. I mean, this country doesn't want to do anything for them. Nope. In fact, they'll fight them. They'll fight them over benefits. They'll fight them over everything. Yeah, They'll try to woke them to death. They'll try to give them critical race theory, try to indoctrinate them. I don't know why anybody would sign up either. Same reason I don't think anybody would, with a functioning brain would sign up to be a cop today. Well, I bet you if you looked through the ranks of the military, you'd find mostly young white guys from rural communities who were still patriotic. But you wonder how long that's going to last. I mean... Well, they don't. it's this cycle. I mean, these most of these people were already in when they started this crap. 
So my guess is the next cycle is going to be a lot more difficult. And we've seen the numbers. They're having trouble recruiting. Here, here are a couple of other phrases, Ron, that you'll hear all the time. A research assistant points out, not a joke, not hyperbole. <laughs> when, That's right. When you hear those two phrases, you know he's joking and it's all hyperbole. <laughs> <laughs> not a joke. I'm serious. No, but seriously, right. folks. No, you're, you are a joke. You're a clown. He is a true clown. And we're clowns because that's who represents us on the international stage. Yeah. Well, nothing gives me more confidence than seeing Lloyd Austin go out before that was microphones. Isn't he a peach? Uh, what an imbecile. But, hey, you know, we got a black defensive defense secretary, so that's all that matters. doesn't matter if he's competent. I'd say the same thing if he were white. I said it about Mattis. General Mattis was a horrible defense secretary. He was white. He should know of all people, he should know, as a general, that you follow orders of your superior. But he didn't. He tried to submarine Donald Trump's policy. Well, I'm not too happy that I've uh, gotten into the older age group. But on the other hand, I think, what's this country going to be like in 20 years? Well, that's I don't the think thing. I'll be around to see it. And you might not either, and I don't think I'd want to see it. Now, think about yourself at age 25, how wonderful your world was. This country was wonderful. Your life was filled with all kinds of great hopes, but everything around you, everybody everybody treated people well. I mean, there are always going to be exceptions, but life was pretty good in this country. Everybody pulled together. Now, if you fast forward 20 years from now, I agree with you. I wouldn't want to be around. I really don't want to be around. Maybe even 10 years. Well, you just made me think of something that uh, I've thought about in the past, and I'm sure I would be accused of being naive about this. But in all my years in this country, I have never even one time seen a white person be terrible to a black person. It, that I've seen with my own eyes. I haven't either. Now, I'm sure it's happened somewhere. Uh, we hear about it all the time, about how hard it is to be black in this country. But I just haven't witnessed it. I haven't either. And now I'm almost 73. Not only have I not now, witnessed it, I can pretty much guarantee that in this time, if if you're up for a job and you're black, you have a distinct advantage. If you're a black woman, it's even greater. So I don't know what they're talking about. I don't know what world they're describing. When LeBron James says every single day black people are murdered by white police, that's just a blatant lie, of course. It's maybe once, it's less than once a month, actually, in the last calendar year. So less than once a month. Meantime, whites have been killed by blacks at a much greater number, and no one cares. And no one should care because the the justice system will determine if the police officer was right. Yep. Well, if anything, I think you see white people bending over backwards to be nice to black people. I mean, almost yeah. to the import of looking stupid. Absolutely. Well, that's politicians. They bend over backwards. These companies bend over backwards. Lindenwood is bending over backwards in order to, well, look at us. We're playing the black national anthem. We're cool. We're not racist. And you look stupid because there's no such thing. You look like a pack of idiotic cowards, which is what Lindenwood has become. Well, I'll tell you a quick anecdote uh, before I go. Uh, I used to play uh, 
softball and we'd go over to a, a bar over on North Hanley, or not South Hanley actually. And I was meeting a couple of friends in there. So I walk in and my two friends are sitting at a table, but there's a black guy standing there at their table talking to my two friends. And my two friends are white. So I walk in, they don't even look over at me. They don't even recognize that I've arrived. And they're sitting there laughing at every word that comes out of this black guy's mouth. And finally the guy leaves and then they turn around and recognize me, but they wouldn't take their eyes off this guy and they wouldn't stop laughing. And you know why? Because they wanted to be politically correct and, and guffaw at everything this guy said. <laughs> exactly. They wanted to curry favor with him. That's right. Rather than treat him like a, a regular person. Yeah, it's, I don't it's know if any, when you say I've never experienced any white person mistreating a black person, not only that, I've never experienced any black person that doesn't just want to be treated regularly. Yep. The, the, the people I know that are black, they just want to be treated fairly like we want. That's all I want. I don't want special privileges. Mm-hmm. Just treat me fairly. You know, if I'm the best qualified for a job, then give it to me. If I'm not and he's better, I don't care what color he is. He gets it. But we're not going in that direction. It's just, no, we're not. It's we're, worse. in fact, going in the 100% opposite direction. And it's not even close. All right, Kevin. Good show. Thanks. Ron, great stuff. Thank you for calling. I appreciate it as always. All right. Bye. You bet. It's a great point, you know. Think about that. Have you ever witnessed a white person mistreating a black person? I never have. Bob is up. Good morning, Bob. How are you? Hey, Kevin. I wasn't going to call you until later this week, but I found out just this morning, Joanne said that Conrad Dobler died, and I just wanted to play an old song to see if uh, people would remember. And how about the old football Cardinals fight song? Oh, I love that old fight song. God, that was spectacular, wasn't it? Yes, it was. It was like the uh, Hail to the Redskins and the... You know, some of the other one, old ones like that that are long gone now. And as soon as you heard it, you knew it was time for the Big Red. Exactly. And let me give you a little rendition. I've only played it a couple of times, but I'll try. All right, baby. Let's have it, Bobby. On your harmonica. Okay. From Crooked Stick, Maricopa County, Phoenix, Arizona. <laughs> Ready. <laughs> Spectacular. Carpe triple deem to you for that. That was magnificent. I started to get chills, actually. I did, too. I got chills. I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, my God, that is so cool. And remember you know, remember the logo of the angry uh, Redbird uh, with no jersey, no pads on, just his head and his yeah. chest, dressed in the football pants and the football shoes, running with the football. You bet. The old St. Louis football Cardinals. And you know what? I was sicker than a dog. Me and Joanne were both working at St. Louis University in the hospital, me and pharmacy and Joanne nursing. And I was like, these people were coming in saying, they're going to move, they're going to move, they're going to move. And I'm like, 
no, they're never going to move, you know? And then when they started bringing these things in and after they moved and they were the Phoenix papers, I was sick to my stomach. I couldn't believe that Bidwell did it, but look who we had in charge. Another Democratic mayor, huh? You know, we blame Bidwell back in the day, and he's one of the least affable people I've ever met in my life. But all he wanted to do was stay, and he wanted a, a new stadium because he was tired of playing in a baseball stadium. And they promised him the new stadium. It wasn't as though Bill Bidwell up and left in a hissy fit. He waited and waited and waited. They promised him the stadium, and when they kept reneging on the offer, F you, I'm gone. Exactly. I don't think they ever believed he would leave, Bobby. I don't. I know, and and you know, then, and then they went. They were playing at ASU for a while, you know, and yeah, and, uh, it was just uh, that was a terrible I, place. I, oh, I just could not. I just could not believe it. And you know, Kevin, all those guys, you know, Conrad Dobler and and um, the big uh, offensive line and, and and Charlie James, and you know, I I was I'll never forget that. I was like Jim Hart. I can't believe it when they were put him in. And I go, man, he's got a rifle compared to uh, uh, not Charlie James, Charlie Johnson. I'm sorry, Charlie Johnson, and, right? Oh my God! And you know, I I met Jim Hart one time. Uh, me and Joanne were going to the airport, going to uh, Phoenix to go see her cousin Jeannie, and uh, he was the nicest guy. He had his golf clubs with him, and uh, I just could not believe he was that old now. You know, I just it didn't make no sense to me because he always looked like a kid. Remember? Well, I remember when Jackie Smith retired, I was at yeah. Channel 4, and I wrote a poem on my, of some video that I wrote uh, played on the air that night. And the end of it was, I don't remember growing old. When did he? And it's so true when you think of these guys now, Conrad Dober and his passing yesterday. I know. Uh, it really touched me because Conrad was one of the nicest people uh, that I've ever met, so polite. I was married at the time when um, I was working at Channel 4, and the Cardinals had a a game on Monday night, and he came down earlier in the day to tape an interview with me. And yeah. he couldn't have been nicer to my wife, who he'd never met in his life. And he acted as though, I mean, it's, it was like they were old lost friends. And that's, that's the me. way he was. And, you know, the dirtiest man in football reputation, yeah. uh, as he has always joked around, was probably m- merited by his play. Uh, but that's how he had to play. He had to play ferociously. And when you're in the NFL, that's how you have to play. Exactly. But you know the story Remember, probably. And if our listeners don't know the story, I'll tell them. Conrad's wife, uh, they were they had a flourishing medical sales business. He oh. and his wife, partners. And on one holiday, I can't I think it was Memorial Day, she was out in the backyard lying in their hammock. And I guess she either fell asleep or something, but she fell out, she rolled out, landed on her head, broke her neck, was a quadriplegic from that oh. day forward. Conrad, who's had over 30 knee surgeries, eight knee replacements, carried her up the stairs to bed every day. He cared for her for the rest of her life. She died in 2018. Phil Mickelson, the pro golfer, heard about this story and very quietly sent a check to Conrad Dober for Conrad's daughter's tuition at Miami of Ohio, which is not cheap. Not cheap. Phil didn't want any recognition out of it. But... uh, you talk about a grand gesture. That's a grand gesture. That is a grand gesture. And, you know, and mine's kind of similar, you know, with Joe, what we've been through. And, you know, we're never going to get into that because we're moving on. But uh, I've done the same thing for the last almost 19 years, you know. I mean, you know, she was in a coma for two months and and, and deathbed almost, you know, twice. Because when I was working at SLU, 
I got a call saying that my wife, and Kevin, you didn't know this, and I don't even know if I told Wags this, Joanne had a two-bleeder subarachnoid brain aneurysm when I was working at St. Louis U, and my wife had a 50-50 chance of making it off the operating room table, not just the uh, accident. So I've seen the priest give my last, uh, the last rites to my wife twice, and you know, I'm a lucky, lucky boy. And you've seen pictures of Joanna, and she's such, such a beautiful girl now. She has no taste or smell from the brain injury. But, you know, I would not. This is a happy Valentine's Day for me and Joanne. And I hope I brought a little joy to the old St. Louis football Cardinal fans. You know you did, Bobby, and your story touches us all. And Thanks, uh, And every time you play that harmonica, I get chills because you're. I know you're self-taught, and I just I know it's going to be spectacular. Thanks very much, Kevin. Thanks, Love Bobby. Your show. We listen to it every morning. Uh, pretty soon we're going to have to get up at 5. You know that because the two hours coming. <laughs> That's right. I forgot about daylight savings time. <laughs> well, yeah, we love you. Don't. We love you guys. Bye. See you, Kevin. All right, Bobby. Thank you. <laughs> See you, Kev. I love it. Thanks, Bobby. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. How good was that? How good was that? But that story about Conrad Dober was fantastic, wasn't it? I mean, with with uh, Phil Mickelson, good grief. Conrad had his biggest rivalry with Merlin Olson of the Rams. Merlin Olson ended up in the Hall of Fame, but Conrad would punish him. And Olson got so angry at him, and that was part of Conrad's game, to get you out of your game. And that's what he did. And when Merlin Olson went on to be Father Murphy on television – there was a scene where there was a graveyard, and in the graveyard, Merlin Olson had put a gravestone, and it said, Conrad Dobler, gone but not forgiven. <laughs> That's how much he was in Merlin Olson's head. If you can get a chance to read Conrad's book, it's fantastic, his autobiography. But he was one of the great people, and he fought the NFL for years for monies that are due aging and injured veterans. By veterans, I mean veteran NFL players. These monies were due those guys. The benefits were due those guys. Every single time he came up for a vote, Bill Bidwell voted against him. His own owner. To my way of thinking, Bidwell, in that respect, proved himself to be one of the meanest people God has ever created because that's pure evil. This is a guy who sacrificed his body for your franchise and as a result is due benefits and you keep voting against him getting them. What in the hell's wrong with you? Over 30 knee operations? 30 knee operations? And for Conrad Dober to take care of his wife the way he did and for Bobby to do the same, that has to touch anybody and touch Phil Mickelson. And Conrad was so grateful, but Conrad was the kind of guy with all of that that went against him, never complained. He was virtually bankrupt at the end, medical bills. He would do speaking engagements. He had to drive to Houston to close a branch office for his company because they had gone bankrupt. He he and his son drove that long trip with his aching knees to retrieve some furniture in a U-Haul and bring it back. Someone asked him, wouldn't it have been cheaper to fly down there? He said, no. He said, in fact, I save $500 and I don't make a million dollars a year. 
that was the story of Conrad's life. So uh, I know now that he is reunited with his wife, Joy. She passed, as I said, in 2018. Can you imagine how your life changed on one holiday afternoon when you're getting ready to barbecue for friends and family? And all of a sudden you look out and your wife's on the ground, never to walk again. It takes a special person to be a caretaker, especially in that particular situation. But Conrad Dober was one of those. Came out of the University of Wyoming. He was a cowboy. Rest in peace, Conrad. Tremendous life you lived and a tremendous example you set for your kids. Carpe diem to Conrad Dobler. All right, that's going to wrap us for today, folks. We're back fighting the good fight again for you tomorrow. Live right here in the Window World Kings Court on KevinSlaytonShow.com. Love you, Mom. Love you, Dad. Love you, Maureen. So long, everybody. Uh-huh.